ADHD guidelines were recently updated to reflect the need to screen for associated disorders. Be sure to talk with your child's doctor about proper screening and visit moretoadhd.com for additional information. That's moretoadhd.com. This message has been brought to you in partnership with ADA, ACO, and CHAD. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. As you might have heard, we are live in the studio today. I am Tom King and we are here with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates. Good to see you, sir. It's been a while. It has been a while and it's been nice. It's good to see you. Your shining, <laughs> bubbly face. Well, we'll just go with that. How's that? We are here to take your financial questions today. 715-845-2155. We are live in the studio. We can take phone calls today. Mm -hmm. and uh, We're here. We're back. We're recharged from the holiday. Right. Right. So give us a call if you have a question about your portfolio as you head into the new year. I would imagine this is a time when people start looking at their, at least taking a look at their portfolio and saying, all right, what do I need to do to make changes? I mean, we we talked about this in the past, these artificial um, dates where we like to break things down. And the first of the year is certainly one of those dates where, I mean, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of difference looking at it at J July 1st as opposed to January 1st. But for some reason, the human species likes to break things down into increments and January 1st is one of those dates. We like to bring them down to a measure. I mean, one of the, one of the measures I, I don't like, at least with this week is yeah, there's, there's always the one, you know, you, you invest in, they call them dogs of the Dow. You take the, the 10 stocks at the worst in the Dow last year and buy them for this year. I, I mean, I don't know if that works. It, there's some history of it, but anyway, let's don't do that folks. The other one is, is as goes the first week goes the year. Let's not do that one either here, folks. Um, then as you know, how goes the first month goes the rest of the year. Well, we'll still uh, yet to see how that is. But we're seeing the tech sector starting to take uh, a nosedive a little bit. And so a lot of the things that made a ton of money last year um, as and the year before as a result of us being at home and being more online as a result of COVID, uh, those types of investments are now take, taking a, a little bit of a nosedive in the sense that people say, well, you know what? All right, Omicron is here. But the, the uh, people are out there saying, well, we're just going to have to learn how to live with it. And they're going on with it, even though our infection rate is as high as it's been. Um, uh, it appears as though people are saying, well, we're just going to continue to keep moving about our business and going on and we'll get shots, whatever we're going to. And if we're not, we're going to get it, uh, whatever, just throwing the dice out there and still living our lives. And so as a result of that, we're seeing the stay at home stocks actually taking a slowdown, um, and, uh, uh, jobs coming back, not as good as we want them to in the last couple of months, but jobs start, of course, certainly coming back as a result of it. We continue to keep moving forward. Um, uh, business numbers, as far as, uh, business purchases, uh, those two are up in the last couple of months, so we try to live with this new normal, which is that of COVID. Well, how are the how is the health sector going to handle the quote unquote new normal? Because they're certainly not handling it well now. I mean, the hospitals are overrun. There aren't enough health provide healthcare providers for the situation. Um, if this does become an endemic instead of a pandemic, and we have to live with it uh, every year, obviously there are going to have to be some changes to the healthcare sector. Uh, you know. What's kind of interesting is that some of the biggest stocks that had some of the largest drops this year, 10% or more, actually, health or biohealth type of companies, which is interesting to me. <clears throat> I feel like, at least in my ear, I'm sounding like Barry White here, so I'm not sure if that's good or not. I don't know why. Sorry, that's it. That's all I got. Mm -hmm. um, but what I find interesting in this is that a colleague with some converse, uh, colleague, eh, conversations with some colleagues here recently is that, you know, do we have to start building more hospitals? Um, do we need more bed space? You know, do we need some more of that stuff? Is that is that going to be some of the answers to it? And I don't know, but uh, maybe that's going to be the case. Um, I think some of the uh, um, virus-reducing 
shots and pills are going to be uh, really, really good. Conversation with a doctor buddy of mine this past week. Um, I had actually said, hey, can I get some of those to take over to Africa? I think that would be a really good idea if we get sick. He goes, so do I, but no, you can't get them. Oh, okay, so much for that because they're still uh, emergency use authorization. So you don't get them unless you're actually sick. Weird. You're still planning on traveling to Africa in March? In theory. <laughs> okay. Nothing's been canceled. We're still planning on going. Um, you know, we're getting all of our shots, distemper, kennel cough. I got them all now. And uh, but so far the plan is still going. But now I we just uh, were told last night that a new requirement that if you're coming back, you have to have a PCR test within 24 hours of flying back to the United States. Well, it's impossible to get that in South Africa. It's it's not. So we don't know yet. We'll see. Maybe you'll have to stay there. Rats. You know, <laughs> folks, when, when I go to, and, and, and again, it, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, people say, you're going on a safari in Africa. It, it's not a safari anymore. Um, the people who have the farms, which we would call ranches here in America, um, have become personal friends of mine. And it's deer camp in a different country. Let's let's be real. It's deer camp in a different country. Except that we have, you know, maid service and our own lodges and, you know, three meals a day provided for you and all that kind of stuff. And it's stressful. Except here at deer camp, the only killer animals you have to face are possibly wolves but over there oh everything bites back (laughs) everything bites back except it tells me you're not going to outrun a lot of that stuff. (laughs) oh i'm not outrunning anything but i'll step on it i mean i got that part nailed so i do have to admit it is kind of funny if you're if you ever get a chance to go to go to africa folks do it it'll it'll change your life but what's interesting is you walk around with uh, one of your guides or you know uh, some of the assistants you have to oh don't touch that bug oh don't touch that plant oh don't do this oh don't sit there yeah. Everything is trying to kill you. Yeah, you're like, well, where am I? You know, then you go fishing, you come back, and the, teeth, uh, the fish have teeth like lions. Yeah. What the? You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything's trying to bite back. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you have a question for Merle today, give us a call. Uh, you, you mentioned before we went on the air that uh, bond prices are concerning you a bit. Well, we just had uh, interest rates jump up considerably here. Uh, the 10-year, and I'm trying to find the number, I think it was about 126 or 176. I think it was 126 the number. But, which is good for us from a, a standpoint of looking at an inverted yield curve. We don't see that at this particular point in time. So now I'm going to have to explain what an inverted yield curve is. All right, here we go, folks, and here's the reason why this is important. If you take interest rates, you look at it for the 30-day treasury, and you look at it for one year, two year, five year, 10 year, going out to the 30, you want the interest rates to be lower today and higher later. And the reason for that is, Tom, for the time value of money, if you're going to lend me money over a 10-year period of time, you want more of an interest rate than if you're going to lend me money for 30 days. So because why? Because of the risk of money and that type of thing. And so if it's the opposite of that, the interest rates today are higher than what they are in, say, 10 years from now, um, that almost always points to a recession coming of some sort. So it's called an inverted yield curve for interest rates higher today than they are later on. And so we, we don't have that. Now, uh, for a long period of time, interest rates were about the same in the 10 years they were today, especially as we're coming out of the uh, pandemic and that type of thing. Uh, but interest rates have been pretty good. Well, the interest rates in the longer term have started going up or what they call yields on bonds. Um, and the reason for that is because of what the Federal Reserve has said from their notes saying, you know, we think we might increase either interest rates or, um, you know, the bond buying or that kind of stuff, essentially affecting the, the interest rates going up um, in the marketplace to try to you know, stave off inflation to a certain degree. Uh, and in the process of doing so, the markets went crazy, and we saw the 10-year yield jump up quite a bit on Friday. But what that does then is it drops the price of bonds down. We've been saying for years in this program, folks, that bond prices were way too high. 
And, and with bond prices way too high, we really don't have or haven't had any place to run to. So ideally, folks, there's this migration of money that goes from left to right, um, going to uh, the stock market, then moving over to the left or to the right, whatever direction you want to call it, uh, moving over then into the bond marketplace. And it looks like the stock marketplace might be getting too over, overpriced or too overvalued or went up too high, whatever term one wants to use. And so we'll see money start shifting over into the bond marketplace as interest rates go down. Uh, I'm sorry, as interest rates uh, go down typically. But in doing so, we didn't see that happen a couple of years ago because the bond prices were just so high. You know, if bond prices are called par, I call it 100% for sake of ease, folks, we're seeing bonds priced at 115 and 120% um, over that 100% that you have. So they're all overpriced. So with the interest rates jumping up, we're seeing bond prices coming down quite a bit, which is kind of nice for me as an advisor. I'm looking for on, on behalf of my clients. I think we're going to be able to start seeing some bond purchases again coming up. The thing I like about bond purchases, if I go into the municipal marketplace, um, I can get not only a tax-free interest rate for my clients, but I can also get some insurance on that for interest and principal in case something happens to that bond that screws up. So for all practical purposes, I can insure the money. Now, there's questions, of course, as how good is the insurance company that's insuring it and where are you going in that whole bit. Of course, nothing is guaranteed unless you're with the FDIC. All right, compliance is going to love that part. But it allows me to really put some uh, some teeth to that money. But the prices have been too high, and it looks like they're coming down quite a bit, um, especially over the course of this last week. So what have you been doing the last few years then? Because you're supposed to have some sort of balance in your portfolio between stocks yeah, and yeah. bonds. But if bonds have been too expensive, have portfolios then becoming, becoming too top-heavy in the stock market because you haven't been able to buy any bonds? <laughs> Tom, a young learner, I am so proud of you because that was a great question you wouldn't ask 20 years ago. You know, true. your conservatism is, is really coming down the pipe, and uh, I'm very proud of you. I am very, very proud of you. So so great question, that. Um, we've been handing out three pounds of tin coffee cans uh, to our clients that come in. No, that's not a that's, – that's a lie, like folks. That's a joke. In, yeah, the backyard, yeah. in the backyard? Yeah. <laughs> now we can't find yeah. tin coffee cans, yeah. you know. So what you do is you, you had to find um, alternatives to the bonds. So uh, in that marketplace, we had to go through and say, well, how do we do it? Well, there's some, some companies that are out there that had, uh, they'll call them uh, market neutral funds. They'll, they'll have uh, funds that are what's called bank share or um, um, oh, floating rate funds. But there's a number of places that are out there that you could do that. What it does is it acted as a stabilizing factor within a portfolio. And so you have to watch them and monitor them, but they don't have the bonds. Uh, the bonds, you get that interest rate, and that's the key. I mean, you have that interest rate, you can just keep clicking on it. And, and one of the biggest things I miss inside of the bond marketplace is, is what's called a laddered bond portfolio. Laddered bond portfolios for creating income are just great. I just I just love doing it, but we just haven't been able to get a good price on bonds. So a laddered bond portfolio structures six or more or uh, eight different bonds, and you have it so that the interest rates just simply pay you know every month or every quarter, and so it just keeps putting cash inside of your account that you put in your checkbook. That works great. just haven't been able to do them because the interest rates were just too... Um, uh, too low and the bond prices are too high for a long time. So so hopefully that starts straightening itself back out. I love doing that stuff. It's just uh, uh, not only a lot of fun for me, but it just makes a lot of sense in a portfolio. So that alternative stuff, I think, is probably going to be a migration going out of if we see the uh, ten-year going up, ten-year go up, and if we see the Fed actually do interest rates. Uh, they proposed two times. Uh, Brian Westbury from First Trust suggests that they're going to go up two times uh, this year. I'm sorry, Fed's proposed three times. Brian Westbury proposes only go up two times this year. 
Um, but we'll see the Fed go slower than what we might believe rather than this knee-jerk reaction we're seeing. Um, because remember back in 2008, um, Chairman Powell tried to increase, I'm sorry, Bernanke tried to increase uh, uh, um, interest rates and cut back on the bond tapering and created the taper tantrum, if you remember that time, made the stock market just go crazy for a couple of weeks. Um, so I think they're going to go up a little bit slower than we might believe. Uh, so I think uh, to a certain degree, Friday, Thursday might have been a, a knee-jerk reaction. 715-845-2155. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back with more. Phone lines are open. If you have a question for Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And the new year. 2022. And the news year. Got a fresh car, car. News Talk. WSAU. And we're back. I'm Tom King in the studio, joined by Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle this morning. Well, you know, in here, folks, we have an article, and this is part of the thing I was talking about before, but let's pop the article up, too, uh, by Steve Goldstein. He said, and this is the longest title I've ever heard. Um, here's the title. Um, is it time to fight the Fed? Uh, the veteran strategist says the central bank won't risk a 20% drop in housing prices and 30% slide in stocks. End of title. Well, we don't have to do the article now. We just read it. Sorry. That's the humor here. Um, so in here, they talked about the, uh, you know, the Treasury jumping up so much. Um, and uh, with it, we saw the 10-year, and I apologize. My number was wrong. It was 23.7. Um, I think I'd said uh, 1.26, but nonetheless, um, uh, with it being up. But one of the interesting things I found in here is that um, they don't think that the Federal Reserve is going to go up so much because if they jump up as much as they said and as fast as they said in some of their notes, and that was their outside um, uh, conversation as far as uh, the higher end. Uh, they'd expect a 20% drop in housing prices and a 30% slide in stocks, and uh, nobody believes that Chairman Powell is going to go that far, so at least put that inside of your head. Now, what I liked about this article is they started talking about a couple of other things along the way, and one of them was cryptocurrencies. What I thought was interesting inside of the cryptocurrencies marketplace um, the crime in cryptocurrency was to a record of $14 billion last year. Um, an outside research company called Chainalysis, or Chain Analysis, I guess, um, saying that scammers took $7.8 billion outright theft, of uh, taking $7.8 billion in outright threft, of threft, threft, theft, there's the word, yeah. of $3.2 billion. Um, and, and that's just incredible in the amount of money that's been stolen directly out of cryptocurrencies. And again, one of the problems we don't have with, or we have with just a little bit of uh, regulation, uh, or such a little regulation in cryptocurrency. Once again, I ask the question, and it may be a stupid question, but I think other people probably have it as well. How do then the thieves, or anybody else for that matter, matter turn that kind of amount of cryptocurrency into something tangible, into cars, houses, uh Whatever. I mean, how, how do you... How do you it has to be converted back to currency, how? whether it's U.S. How, how does or something. that happen? Where, where do you do that? Somewhere along the way, somebody's willing to give them cash for that currency. Uh, just how it goes. They have the ability to do it. Um, you know, I swear to God, by the amount of classes I've had to take in the last five years on anti-money laundering, they're just trying to teach me how to do it. And there are ways... I'm not going to say well, them. They're, they're hoping that you will not break the law. I mean, well, they're they're hoping that I catch people who are breaking the law, uh -huh. and and so there's things that we have to do in our industry. So, you know, Tom, if you brought me a bag full of a hundred thousand dollars of cash, 
not only would I have to say, no, Tom, I can't take that cash, but then secretly I'd be sending a note out saying Tom has $100,000 in cash. I don't know where it came from, but he spends a lot of time in South America. Uh-huh. Um, that type of thing. So uh, then, you know, how you do all your you know, layering, how that's done, and how you can pop it up and see it. So somewhere along the way, somebody is doing that to turn it over, and that's one of the biggest things that countries have about cryptocurrencies is it's allowed a spread of cash to move from one place to another inside of the dark markets with illegal money. That's one of the biggest problems that it has. So we look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin's having a hard time. It's at a high of 68. It hit a low of recent months of, of 40 on Friday, settling at 41,000 and some change. So it's down considerably over the course of the last number of months. I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but uh, somewhere in there, something like that certainly is going along. We're seeing more and more professional athletes take part of their compensation in cryptocurrency. Is that going to be a trend that more and more uh, will companies eventually get to the point where they give that option to their employees? Uh, think about how smart it was for a professional athlete to take part of their um, uh, their dollars in, in uh, uh, Bitcoin when it's worth 68000 in October, now it's worth forty. Right. They should. That, that it could go yeah, back up to 80 at, at some point. Maybe. You know, we'll, we'll see. Again, uh, my problem isn't in the idea of cryptocurrency. It's in the, the problem is that we, it's, we don't have a lot of The dollar of function getting paid yet. in dollars is much more stable, obviously, than getting paid in cryptocurrency. Having some regulation to it. You know, so if you lost your, your, your crypto coin, for lack of a better term, um, how do you replace it? Certain things such as um, Bitcoin, you can't do it. It's just gone. So whatever that value was, if it was $40,000 and you had one, uh, it's gone. You lost the 40000 bucks. There's no way to replace it. It's just gone. So if you lose it inside of some other place that has a regulation, um, you lose an investment account. I um, mean, say, okay, that account disappeared. There's backups to find out where it was and to re-put that money back to your account. We can fix that um, in the industry. And so someplace, somebody will create a crypto that you have that ability to do so. Um, if it's not already there, um, somebody will. And, and, and so I think that how has some, some legs to go forward. Uh, the problem is that a lot of them don't. I think a lot of the athletes are um, younger, as many people are who are buying the uh, crypto uh, money. And, uh, and I think that's the reason for it. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Okay, men. This is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this. We're uh, going to go to Florida. We're going to go to Gulf Shores. And we're going to go over here. We're going to do this. We're going to you know, take off for a couple of months. They don't, they don't want the 30-degree wind chills that we've yeah. been coming in a and, couple and, of days. The beautiful yeah. part, they said, well, you know, we want to thank you because we made so much money over the course of the last year, year and a half. We decided we're just going to go do this. Like, that's fantastic. They said, but we can't believe how high the prices are up. I said, well, why do you think that is? I don't know. I said, because all of you guys are going down there. You're driving all the prices up. Um, but uh, it's so nice to see people getting up and, and getting ready to go and and uh, retiring and getting out and thawing out. So it is really nice to see. My wife is jealous because she wants to go with them. So in here, then, we have an article that pops up that says, Three signs you're ready to retire. 
they didn't say what age, but they just simply said three signs you're ready to retire, an article by Liz Weston. So I thought uh, uh, this would be kind of fun to go through. And so, Tom, are you, uh, are you uh, ready to go for number one? Uh, sure. Lay it on me. It says your financial plan has been stress tested. You're ready to go. How's that one working? No, that's not. That That's one of the reasons why I'm still going to be working. That doesn't work too well. Yeah. Well, yeah. Stress, it, the only stress test I have is the stress that I have you know, from, from looking at. Well, it's been tested. There yeah. you go. You know, so it's one of the biggest things is so many times you have people that have been saving money and putting it away for such a long time and watching our accounts grow over the years and putting the money away and all the hard work they have is big stress and simply saying, okay, I'm going to stop now. Um, oh, what? The, the checks aren't going to keep coming from a working and oh my goodness, what do I do? And they have just a major stress about that. It really is. Um, in fact, I don't remember where the uh, the article was, but there was an article that said the top five things that happen in your lifetime are the most stressful. Uh, the first was death. I think second was public speaking. And the third was probably retirement. <laughs> it was right in that order. Fixed income, you know? Yeah, saying. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I thought was interesting is uh, how did they go then in Seinfeld? I said most people are more nervous about public speaking than, than you know than death, you know, but so, so in here then, um, you know, it's the biggest thing is facing your fears, and the fears are simply changing everything. For most of us, um, our colleagues, the people that we hang around with, the people we associate with, our friends, um, our work colleagues. And so when we stop working, that is, those relationships tend to, to fall apart to a certain degree. Um, or we decide we want to go live in Florida. Well, what do we know about Florida? Do we know anybody there? Do we you know, have the same uh, connections? Do we Are we a member of the Eagles Club there? All that kind of stuff. And so all those things change. And so... Um, we'll actually say in our office, and I'll tell people, practice retirement. And people look at me like I'm nuts. I said, no, really, practice retirement. If you're going to live in Florida, um, join a, a, a congregation there, or join some civic organizations, and start going there a little bit more time throughout the course of not only the, the nice years, I'm sorry, the nice months in December and January and February, but go there in July and see how you like it there if you're going to move there and live. Uh, you know, Look at it. See how what you think about uh, going to Florida if that's where you want to be. And so practice along the way. You know, think about it, folks. It's like we're climbing steps. And as we're climbing and we're climbing and climbing, retirement comes, it's like we're jumping into the abyss and it's the unknown. And that fear of that um, really is a fearful time for a lot of people when they retire. Or what we were talking about off air, folks, is that, you know, my wife is seven years younger than me. And so if I retire, you know, well, what would I do? I'd have a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. no, I mean. Uh, <laughs> You'd find things to keep you busy. So, so a lot of people stop and say, well, you know, um, what am I going to do if my spouse still has to continue to work? You know, what will I do? Well, I've, I've got a lot of stuff I can do, but um, but I don't have any interest in retiring soon at all. I, I, if, you know, my opinion would probably be like 10 years um, if I uh, decided at some point in time. Um, I'm kind of blessed where I, you know, have great staff that does a lot of my busy daily work. So um, I have the ability to, to at least uh, – you don't yeah, have you lunch know, the if old I need line to. is about all of this. Man makes plans and God laughs. You know, so you can you can plan for ten. Years oh, there's no want. doubt about it. They have that expectation all the time. You know, <laughs> um, and so finally, in here they had talked about. And I missed it. Here we go. Um, uh, you know what you're retiring to, and not just from. So again, as we kind of talked about, you know, what is it going to look like when you retire? What do you want to do? What's the income going to be? You should have some idea when you get up that first morning of retirement what you're going to do yeah, we've, with your day. I mean, well, how are you going to fill the time? Are you going to do something productive? Are you going to lay around and watch television all day? Uh, are you going to drive your spouse crazy by sticking around the house? Uh, you know, I, I had a lot of conversations uh, and fun when we do our classes at the universities, uh, which we're starting to get phone calls about wanting people wanting to do again. So we might have to do that this year. So we do some of the classes and that hope that we'd have some fun with this. And so, all right, you retire on Friday. Everybody's excited. You have a little bit of dinner that night. Maybe you have your retirement party on Saturday. 
Monday morning, it shouldn't be wake up and at you know, 7 and 7.30, Bloody Marys. That's probably <laughs> yeah. not a real good start mm-hmm. to retirement. Right. Though I did have a client, he said, I'd listen to you. He said, we wait until I have wine at lunch. There you go. So, uh, okay. But, you know, that should be not be the, the mm-hmm. way to uh, start out retirement. <laughs> <laughs> 715-845-2155 is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle regarding your retirement and your portfolio. So those were the three things to uh That was the three, yeah. Realize, uh, that was it. So we're ready for retirement. We can stop the show now. Uh, I would imagine most people who are listening, I, I think that back. I think the people that listen to this show are probably more savvy than the general population, and they are prepared because, you know, every time we get a phone call, it's somebody that's got, you know, $50,000 in their portfolio or $100,000 in their portfolio. That's not that's not the norm, is it? It's not necessarily the norm, but I think it happens more frequently than we believe. Um, a, a client of mine and uh, became a good friend of mine um, in my Milwaukee office when I had it um, was a physician. And uh, he was the one who actually turned me on to wearing you know, wood clogs for bad feet. And he was right. They work, nonetheless. Um he said to me, he goes, you know, when I was a student, he said we were raising a family on $7,000 a year. He said, and we were doing just fine and just as happy then as we are in the salary that I'm making now. Well, he had five kids, and I've used him as his example. He had four of them that went to Notre Dame and three of them at the same time. And so big checks, folks, really big checks going to Notre Dame. So along the way, he said, if I find myself that I have, uh, you know, 50000 bucks in Social Security, he said, that's what I'm going to live on. He said, because... I'm just going to live my life as I live my life. I've had a great life. I've done the great stuff. And so we find it same type of thought. People say, well, this is what I've saved. This is what I'm going to live in is this lifestyle. Um, now, a lot of people have this belief that, okay, you're retiring. Then uh, you retire, you're going to step up your lifestyle at, you know, 1 plus 1. 1.5. Not a lot of times. I mean, a lot of times you're you're working and your income's at 1. And when you retire, your income's going to go to 0. 0.75 yeah. because maybe not both of you are working. And so a lot of people have an unrealistic expectation of what it's going to look like when you retire. Um, and so that's, I think that's one of the biggest part of it is saying, you know, know where you're going to be. Isn't that uh, part of that is the advertising industry has shown what retirement is supposed to look like, whether, whether you're seeing TV commercials for retirement villages or travel or, oh, gosh, and, yeah. and, and yeah. we yeah. see all of these things that we're supposed to do in our retirement. Well, all of those things cost a, a lot of money and a sure. lot of people don't have sure. that, that, that capability. You know, I've, I, boy, I, I tell you what, Tom, and, and, uh, and, and just sharing some stories, folks, about reality that happens during retirement. Um, I have some clients of mine, uh, they've saved, they've invested over the course of the years, and uh, now's the time they're supposed to be traveling and that whole bit. And, and so I said to him, I said, aren't you going to go travel? He goes, no, I don't like to travel. He goes, when I think about relaxing, he said, I just want to go home. He said, so I can go home. He said, I can go horse around in the garden. He said, I could walk out to the barn. He said, I just want to go home. I don't want to go anyplace else. I said, huh. He goes, what are you doing on the weekends? I said, I want to go somewhere else. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but, but that's, that's, that's his idea of retirement and they have a, a great time in doing what they do. I have some clients we just talked to yesterday. Um, him, he didn't want to have uh, mowing, shoveling, snow blowing anymore. So uh, they sold off the house. And they moved into an apartment. Well, they still saved some land yet. Um, and with that land, she said, well, I still want to be outside and do some stuff. And so um, she has her she shed camper um, out in the woods and uh, has some neighbors that run the extension cord over next to the 40 that they have. And so she goes out there and spends her time so she can still be in the woods and have flowers and um, have a little campfire and that whole bit. And, and uh, he wishes her well, you know, so 
everybody has their own idea where retirement's supposed to be. I mean, if we have an idea that we're going to be jet setting all over the world and being on yachts, we better have had to have saved a lot of or, money along the way. Or be the person from Green Bay who won the Powerball jackpot this week. Well, that'd be handy as well. Yeah, you know, right. that'd be great. You know. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. Our federal government has so many departments and programs, you would only know some of them and you probably don't know what they do. USAU. It shouldn't surprise anybody. And WSAU.com. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, Member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelchin Associates in Wausau. All right. You know, Tom, I wanted to talk about this because we had chatted before a little bit <clears throat> about, uh, you know, the tech stocks coming backwards. So we look at, you know, what do we do then if tech, tech stocks are starting to go back, um, uh, backing up a little bit? What do we look at? What about manufacturing? Well, People are saying, well, manufacturing's bad because we can't get anything. But it's actually changing a little bit. So is it a place we run to? I'm not saying that. But we can look at some opportunities that might be out there. So there's an article by Jacob, oh, geez, Sonenshine. I think there we go. Um, so it says supply chain constraints are easing five stocks that could benefit by it. And I'll give you the name of the stocks, folks, because it's inside of an article that you can look up, and it's not my opinion. But I want you to look at the theme of the articles that are up here. So in here, if we look at next year where we think we might have some growth, it's going to be in the places that are building, construction, constructing, moving our factories, goods, services. That's, that's really where it's going to be because now we're going to start getting some of that demand back as we start getting parts back. And the number one company they're talking about is actually, number, or I should say number one on the list, not number one as in the best, um, is General Motors. I mean, General Motors, not only because of their uh, companies, uh, being able to get their chips and so forth, but because of their uh, trucks or other things they have uh, to be able to start getting their uh, their chips and their materials going out. So we think that, uh, uh, as they're saying inside of here, and this is from a Credit Swiss Industrials Conference, um, they're saying that the shortage they think is stabilized and they're going to be able to start not only selling their products, but again, trucks and movement equipment that goes along with General Motors. I was going to ask you that because uh, the car industry is not only suffering from a supply shortage with the lack of uh, chips, the price of used cars has gone way up mm -hmm. because there just isn't a supply of new cars to buy. So if that yeah, changes, yeah. Um, that should hopefully bring down the price of used cars in many cases. Because yeah. people are finding now they can't afford to buy any kind of car at this point. You know, uh, this is a little bit side off, but I, I got to say this. So I bought, you know, a big truck for pulling camper a few years ago. <clears throat> Love the truck, big diesel motor. Uh, 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 uh. So I've been offered now twice more than what I paid for the truck as a trade-in. So last spring, I said, well, do you guys have anything new that's there? Because, you know, maybe I'll throw a couple of bucks in and get a newer one. Um, and he said, well, no, you'd have to, you know, go through and, and you simply have to wait. I'm like, well, I kind of need the truck because it's now camper pulling season. Um, well, now it's not camper pulling season. And they're kind of saying this again. And I could order something and almost have it ready to go for spring 
And it's down thinking, geez, I've driven this truck around now for three years. Haven't put a lot of miles on it, but I've driven it around for three years, and it would be essentially for free. That kind of makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then again, I have to take a little bit of note for a car, and I don't like those. So, yeah. well, so what is it? What does this mean then for not only General Motors but uh, automotive stocks in general? I mean, you you see those on the rise here in the near future. Well, I think first of all, I think the prices are going to uh, adjust themselves on the cars. I mean, if you have a a used car and you can make some money now. I mean, one of the biggest things that was all over the news yesterday uh, was if you have a leased vehicle and you're coming out of your lease. I mean, uh, you've leased vehicles. I've leased some time. Usually you do what? You turn in your lease and just go get a different car. Yeah. Well, what's happening now is that uh, for Lexus, which which was actually the, uh, the the example they're using, for the Lexus, you could just simply take the Lexus, buy it out, and resell it and make ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 on the vehicle by simply reselling the used vehicle. Um, uh, and I'm sure that's with uh, many vehicles right now because the lease depreciation rate is actually going to be um, uh, much less to buy it out than what the real cost of the value is. And that might be something we have to look at. But as we get chips out there and those chips continue to keep uh, getting built, I mean, uh, Samsung's having a record year. In fact, their profit, if I remember correctly, was up 52% last quarter because of contracted chips. Matter people Them making chips for a particular, particular purpose. Um, and I think part of that's the automobile industry. So with that being the case, the suppliers are going to get that stuff straightened out. There'll be no doubt about it. Then we'll have plenty of new cars, and that's going to drop the used prices down considerably. So if you want to sell your used car, I'm guessing the next few months are the time to do it, folks. So there's another company that's out there called Aptiv, and our same thing, the five stocks that might benefit from us getting this uh, supply chain fixed up. And, and what they do is Aptiv actually um, builds, um, I'm sorry, is an auto parts manufacturer that builds auto parts I'm all over the place. So they need to get some pieces and parts to go through. Uh, my big diesel truck um, broke this past week. And in my big diesel truck, I discover that, huh, a deaf fluid has a, a, a lifespan to it. And if you uh, uh, don't put your deaf fluid in and it's old, it's mostly water. And guess what happens with water in cold temperatures? Uh, yeah, that would be free. Yeah, it breaks stuff. And yeah. then guess where your parts come from? You don't know. It's kind of a neat little gift. So. I had to wait for several days to find some parts to uh, fix my big diesel truck. So uh, another one, Stanley Black & Decker. Stanley Black & Decker, of course, uh, builds parts, and they have a lot of stuff that comes from China, different parts of the world to put it together to assemble all their you know, goods and services going through. And now with being able to have that, they'll be able to get it out there. And two of the bigger ones, um, Union Pacific, of course, uh, Railroad, and as well as CSX Railroad. So now they'll have the ability to start getting that stuff out there quicker, and uh, as it uh, tends to come off the ships and get it shipped out, they're going to benefit because of the additional traffic going forward. So um, I think there's going to be a trend for two purposes um, going into the big large cap stocks. I think the trend is going to be going in there because, of one, we have to get stuff moved, and we have now the supply chain constraints fixed where we can get stuff built. I think that's going to be another one. And the second one is if the market does start going haywire, we always tend to have this um, uh, migration over to defensive stocks. And I think that tends to be your big blue chips as well. And so I think it's going to be a good year from that. Last year was the year of the S&P. We very well could have the year of the Dow uh, this year. So if that's the case, then what are the ones that are going to get hit? What are the ones that are not going to be uh, as, as productive as uh, as the ones that you think? Will I, I, don't, I don't know that we get hit this year. And again, folks, this is just my opinion. Take it for nothing and don't make any bets based upon what I'm saying. Um, but last year, we just had a overwhelming drive in the S&P 500 and tech stocks. Same thing that really happened inside of 2020. Um, and I just think that slows. I don't think it goes away. I think it just slows. 
So uh, I think the S&P 500 was up somewhere around 28% last year, plus or minus a, a few. Um, and I don't think it just drives that much this year. Um, I think we have some normalcy. And I think that's the fall off. We've seen it happen many times with large companies. We've seen it happen with Apple. We've seen it happen with Microsoft and others where everybody just gets so excited about their drive. And my God, look at they're making 40% this year. And so next year when they make 32, oh, this stock stinks. You know? <laughs> yeah, 32%, 32% is bad. Uh, in what world is 32% bad? Uh, precisely. Yeah. And so if we had the S&P 500 or, and, and we use Microsoft, and I'm just using this as an example, it can be ABC, XYZ, HAJ company. You know, if they were making 32% one year and they dropped down and they say, we're only making 15 now, oh, this stinks, let's get rid of them. 15 is still really good, folks. Yeah. You know, and so we have to look at that, put it in some context. And so we're going to see a lot of that this, this next year. Remember, so much business that we've seen uh, go from zero to nothing, even our employment for last year where we're saying, you know, geez, the employment was great. Well, nobody was working. It's pretty easy to go from there to something. But companies that were just really, uh, you know, driven by us going back to work, those profits are going to slow down to some sort of normalcy. And so I think the thing we have to look at is can we – as a company and as a uh, economy, continue to survive beautifully on a normalcy versus this big turn on reset that we had over the course of the last couple of years when we shut the economy off, turn it back on. That's going to be the challenges for us to be able to see through the haze, to be able to look at and say, is this company doing well and still making money? That's going to be the challenge. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Well, we'll be on Third Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Stop on in, say hello, kick a Kick a cup of coffee. Eh, kick the tires. Have a cup of coffee. Uh, stop on in, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Outside of the Wausau area, 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchensociates.com. You always have used that that tagline. Does anybody ever come in and look for the tires to kick? Or No, but they have coffee. Okay, all right. <laughs> Maybe all right, I need well, to bring a tire in. Talk to you again down the road. That's Rural Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. We've got the uh, news on the way. The polka show is coming up as well. And uh, nothing as far as uh, – actually, I take that back. We have Badger hockey tonight, the Badger-Ohio State game. Uh, it's going to be uh, – it was rescheduled. They're playing at 6 o'clock tonight. And then, of course, tomorrow it's going to be Packer football and Badger basketball, a double header of action for you tomorrow here on WSAU. I found hope in the midst of an overwhelming situation. I let go of trying to control 